More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Happy Friday, everybody. 800-282-2882. That's 800-282-2882. We're definitely going to get to a bunch of calls today, so light them up. Also, remember to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm on the gram. Clay's on the gram. Follow us, Clay and Buck, plus Buck Sexton and Clay Travis. Uh, We have individual accounts, and my, oh, my, Trump set to reemerge on the trail with revenge in his mind. We're going to dive into this in a bit here. That's the headline from Politico. But first, Clay and I talked to you yesterday about the infrastructure deal that was at least agreed to in principle. This is a bipartisan, 10 senators, bipartisan group. Uh, You've got an agreement to spend, I mean, it's going to be roughly half a trillion. You know, no big deal. They've got that in the couch cushions, right? I mean, who cares about having the printing presses just go and go with more and more cash getting spit out all the time? It's not like inflation. Oh, no, inflation is already a problem. It's going to get worse, by the way. But I want to just walk you through a little bit of the back and forth that happened yesterday afternoon. At first, Biden comes out, press conference, he's all happy about it, and he goes, we've got a deal. By 23. We had a uh, really good meeting, and to answer your direct question, we have a deal. And uh, I think it's really important. We've all agreed that uh, none of us got all that we wanted. I clearly didn't get all I wanted. No one got everything they wanted. It sounds so moderate, doesn't it? It sounds so much like Congress is doing the business of the people and Joe Biden's, he's taking a victory lap. You know, the whole thing, it's its all, you almost get weepy about how promising this is for a republic. The problem with it is that a couple of hours after that, you had Joe Biden, the commander in chief, Coming out to let everybody know that that whole bipartisan deal, he'll actually, he'll kill it. He'll veto it unless 
The crazy left-wing wish list of Pelosi and the gang gets through as well through reconciliation. Play two. The bipartisan bill from the very beginning was understood there's going to have to be the second part of it. Not just signing the bipartisan bill and forgetting about the rest that I proposed. I propose a significant piece of legislation in three parts. And all, all, all three parts are equally important. And by the way, my party, you keep, everybody tell, t- tells me what my party is. My party is divided. Well, my party is divided. My party is divided, but my party is also rational. If they can't get every single thing they want, but all that they have in the bill that, that, that before them is good, are they going to vote no? I don't think so. I love, Clay, that this is what Democrats do. They, they redefine things. I would argue they're redefining bipartisanship to mean we agree on something we go along this is democrats and republicans on this bill at least in theory right this is all at the early stage and then it's but then we're going to ram through all the other stuff that you won't go along with and say that the whole thing is bipartisan it feels like a trap it feels like a trap it also feels like it isn't in any way bipartisan and that the republicans aren't getting anything that that would be my question if we had the senators who have agreed to uh, this infrastructure bill. What exactly is their game of chess that they are attempting to play here? Because strategically, well, let's just kind of look at the broad scope here. If they are dra- dialing back what Joe Biden was going to spend on infrastructure, which it appears they are, and they are somewhere meeting in the middle. But if Joe Biden is simultaneously saying, unless I get everything else basically that i want in this other bill then i'll never sign this infrastructure bill strategically what have the republican senators who have agreed to this actually accomplished are they afraid and i would love to hear their rationale are they afraid that through budget reconciliation that the democrats are going to get everything and they're not worried about Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema or any of those people actually pulling out of the 50 vote majority with Kamala Harris breaking the tie. And so they're trying to cut a, a trillion dollars in spending out through this. I, I, I guess what I'm looking at is, to me, there has not been a very strong strategy elucidated for what the goal of the of the Republicans is here. The, the Democratic goal seems pretty clear. It's that they can claim, as you said, Buck, that there is an element of bipartisanship here with the infrastructure element, but then go ahead and ram through everything else that they want. And they can say, see, we did bipartisanship. The infrastructure bill is bipartisan. And then in the $6 trillion budget that Bernie Sanders has put together with all of his wish list, they can then claim that they're not uh, subverting the democratic process in some way by using reconciliation on that six trillion. I mean, do you feel like Buck that we've gotten a good explanation from why it makes sense in any way to be bipartisan on this infrastructure package? I don't think we've gotten a good explanation about why there's urgency to spend well that's over a half a trillion, you know, over a half a trillion dollars on an infrastructure package when we've had to do all this spending already to get through covid and then they've the democrats already did the you know the american rescue bill which had all kinds of stuff in it and just so everyone knows what's the what's the part of this that republicans won't go along with because democrats will say well they just wanted more money for roads and bridges right so republicans and democrats on the bipartisan piece of this the infrastructure bill it's like well do you want the bridge to collapse under you do you want roads to be in terrible shape and you know you hit a pothole rips off your tire maybe bends your uh bends your alignment you know no one wants that stuff right 
But then why won't the Democrats just limit it to that? Well, because what they really want to throw in there is the radical Green New Deal, uh, read a renewable energy stuff and a lot of electric charging stations and child care and and student loan forgiveness. It just turns into an excuse. Republicans are going to end up giving cover for Democrats doing what is essentially modern monetary theory, which is just spending whatever you think you need to spend. That's what the theory really boils down to, which AOC and others are essentially devotees of. And we still haven't gotten what I think is the most significant part of this budget actually discussed very much, at least not in public. What's going to happen with the tax increases? Because I think there's a ton of people out there listening to us right now that are wondering about that, too, because right now they're talking about increasing the overall tax rate crazily to me. And this is one of the things in this budget bill of many that I think deserves way more discussion. They are talking about making the capital gains tax retroactive, Buck. This has only happened once, basically, in American history. And this is me being involved in the business side of things. This is totally illogical. They said starting on April 28th, any deal that basically had not closed by April 28th, they're going to double effectively the capital gains tax rate. But you know how long these deals take to work through. The idea that you can get a big deal done in a couple of months or that you can retroactively go back and change the law as it pertains to people selling their stocks, as it pertains to people selling businesses, as it pertains to overall business decisions being made in general. I just I don't know how aggressively the Republicans are going to try to hold the line on the 2017 Donald Trump uh, tax decreases, both corporate tax and individual tax. But that's the reason why the economy was on fire in a very positive way before COVID happened. I mean, I think we need to go back in time a little bit and talk about the economy because there's going to be a big argument here that we're going to have a Biden boom, right? We're going to have a 7% growth rate or whatever the forecasts are going to be in 2021. But remember, before the COVID shutdowns, we had the lowest black, Asian, Hispanic, and white unemployment rates in the history of the country. We had the fastest growth that we had seen in forever. The Trump economic policies were on fire, Buck. And now we're going to go back and reverse those and just start throwing money like crazy at all this government expenditure. It's nonsensical. And you can already see what the narrative is going to be. The same way that when, because in many ways, this is the third term of the Obama administration, just with Biden as the figurehead, figurehead, right? And what you see here is the narrative, and there's some historical luck in this, I guess you could say. Obama comes into office after the Great Recession of 2008, and, and in large part, I think you could say maybe one because of what happened in 2008. And then for the next two years, it was, look where we were, look, look where we are now. Well, of course, it's going to be better unless you have the actual meltdown and collapse of the global economy. You're going to come out of that recession. But it was the slowest recovery, as we know, the slowest recovery in the first Obama term since World War II. That was pretty remarkable data if you want to look at how the democrat plans actually played out and compare it to something but if you can just compare it to your worst month it's obviously going to look better and there was a particular period there where the economy in 2008 was really shaky fast forward to now you had a covid 
artificial recession, essentially. A recession caused not by cyclical economic forces, not by people, you know, overspending on houses or the, you know, the wrap up of all the mortgages and the commodification of it by Wall Street. What you had was people staying home because of COVID. We all know, right? No one needs an explanation of that. We all just lived it. Well, anything is going to be better than that. So what we have to do is make sure everyone sees that the argument here isn't that the economy isn't growing because, of course, it's going to grow compared to 2020. It's is it unnecessarily stalling out or or dipping down and is inflation really starting to chip away at people who rely on wages and, and, and savings and trying to build savings? But that's a That's a tough case, especially when you have the media in your pocket. They're just going to say it's better than 2020, isn't it? It's also a case, and I think this is one that we need to continue to hammer. There are 9.3 million open jobs right now, Buck. There are a lot of people out there listening to us running small businesses at work. They can't open their restaurants. They can't open their manufacturing plants for the full scope of what they would like to be able to accomplish because this is the most jobs we've ever had available in the history of this country. 9.3 million open. There are more open jobs than there are people seeking work. And we're continuing to give people unemployment benefits such that in 19 blue states right now, an unemployed mom and a dad, couple, married couple, can make over $100,000 a year right now, Buck, by not working at all. And so to your point on the recovery and how limited it has been in scope so far and how slowly it is moving, it's because people are being incentivized not to work which is slowing the overall engine. And meanwhile, we're pouring money in, which is why I think you can make a strong argument that while it may be the third uh, third term of the Obama administration, it's also the second term of Jimmy Carter. Potentially, we're going back in time to what happened in the 1970s. I know it's tough to get people that excited these days, and I don't mean excited in a good way. I mean, get them that engaged on the debt, which is going to be $30 trillion before we blink blink our eyes, it feels like. And and inflation. But just remember, monetary policy that leads to inflation, like what we're seeing, spending that leads to inflation, which is already happening, is essentially a tax on working class people, middle class people, their wages. They don't own assets in the same way that those who are more well off do. Their wages go less far. Prices hurt them more. This stings. This really, and I know you mentioned Jimmy Carter. That's what we'll see. But, you know, I, I also have Joe Biden, um, talking about this issue. And I, I want to hit that, Clay. We, we should get into this. We come back. And he talks about it in kind of a, a bizarre way. And I start to wonder, at what point do we get to have the conversation about whether Joe Biden is just weird or is deteriorating? <laughs> I mean, really, is deteriorating. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. And by the way, we're going to be taking a lot of calls today, 800-282-2882. Uh, we got a story about retirements from the law enforcement community that Clay is going to set that up for us. We're going to dive deep into it. We're going to want a lot of law enforcement callers on that because we want to hear the ground truth from folks who are actually walking the beat, doing the job. That'll be coming up in a little bit, so stick around with us for that. But, you know, dog food is dead food, folks. I mean, dog food doesn't have a lot of the nutrients and things you actually need. All the dry kibble that's manufactured, I mean, that just doesn't doesn't have all the good stuff that your little furry friend is going to need to be as healthy as possible. That's why I want you to do what we do in my household with Tallulah, our beloved French bulldog, add rough greens into your dog's diet. Rough Greens is not dog food. It's a healthy supplement that you put into whatever your dog food currently is 
that has live nutrients necessary for superior dog health. We're talking about strains of probiotics that are really helpful for dog gut health. Omega oils, three, six, and nine in the proper ratio for maximum canine health and tons of antioxidants. Oh, and it's 100% vegan. So if your dog is vegan, there you go. You should check out Rough Greens today. Add it to your dog's daily food routine. And the folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love it They've worked out a special deal for listeners to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Just go to Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash Clay and Buck, and they'll give you your first bag free. You heard me right, free. Just cover the shipping, and your free bag of Rough Greens will be on its way to your home. That's roughgreens.com slash Clay and Buck, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash Clay and Buck for your free bag of Rough Greens. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Hope your Friday is going fantastically well. I am Clay Travis. A little bit of news, by the way. We'll tease this later today as well as tomorrow. But Tuesday, we are scheduled to be joined. You might notice that we have not had a single guest so far. Uh, We are scheduled to be joined by President Trump on this program on Tuesday. He will be the first guest that we have had. And uh, we are excited about that. I think you guys will enjoy that as well. So uh, that is coming up next week. Early tease going on there. Buck Sexton asked the question, is Biden losing his faculties or is he just weird? We will debate. You can decide. This clip definitely provides flourishing arguments on both sides. And the answer might well be both, by the way. Here is Joe Biden yesterday discussing the infrastructure bill with this strange, weird, not really normal whispering monologue. Listen to this. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? I mean, this is not the actions of a sane man. That is so weird. I, I saw this yesterday, Buck. I was on the way out to dinner, and I pulled up my phone. I saw that clip, and I immediately texted you and Allie, who does a great job collecting all the different clips for us. And I said, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen a president do. It's like he thinks if he whispers and squints and whispers some more, no joke, that's gravitas. It's like he wants to whisper on top of his whisper. You look at him, you're like, you're the commander in chief of the most powerful, wealthiest country in the world. What What is this? I mean, I, I, I look at this and I understand people could say, oh, but the previous president had a very interesting style, whatever. Yeah, the previous president was entertaining. The previous president, when he would engage people, whether they loved him or hated him, you know, he was a one. He was a constant one man show with Joe Biden. You wonder, is everything OK? That's a different thing. That's a different thing. It's a hundred percent fair when you hear a clip. We have to play that clip again when we come back to start, uh, the, the second half of the first hour. You hear that. It's such a strange thing, Buck. He could make whatever argument he wants, but whispering and try, it's, it, it sounds as bad as it looks if you haven't actually seen this clip. We'll play it for you again. My mind is still blown. We're going to take some of your calls as well, but I want you to know as many of you are running into a new wedding season. 
A lot of people out there, June's the busiest month. So many different weddings stacked up. So many different family events coming up. Maybe you're going back through a lot of the old family events that you've experienced, and you need to make sure that your Legacy Box takes care of your family's old wedding videos and photos. So many incredible experiences that are starting to fade because of modern technology not keeping up with it. You want to make sure that you never forget those moments and that you are taken care of. And Legacy Box does an incredible job of this. I'm doing it right now at my house. I love their product, and they are offering 50% off so your family can celebrate meaningful moments at a fraction of the normal price. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Clay and Buck to get started today. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay and Buck. 50% off LegacyBox.com slash Clay and Buck. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? Pay them more. 
This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? I mean, I can almost feel Biden whispering in my ear. I'm sure you all can, too, and maybe maybe sniffing the, the tops of some heads while he does it. Creepy Joe style. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. So that's what the commander in chief is up to, saying some really just weird stuff, folks. You know, no joke. I'm just going to get breathier and squintier and weirder. And the media is all, oh, my gosh, he's a uniter. He's a great leader. Isn't this fantastic? Meanwhile, his number two, Kamala Harris, vice president, is down at the border. I think it's quite clear that this is in part because President Trump is going next week. And as Clay mentioned, we have right now scheduled the former president to join us the day before his trip. He will be our first official guest here on the Clay Travis and Buck Saxon show. We're going to have a really Clay and I both talked to him last year on our respective shows. We're going to have a lot of fun talking to 45 when that all comes up. He's you know what? Never boring, always interesting and entertaining. That's one thing you can guarantee with Trump. No doubt. And I'm actually curious to hear his reaction to Kamala Harris's trip to the border, which is already getting attention and proving how much they can't even manage the most basic optics on this buck. When she lands in El Paso, she's standing beside the congresswoman in El Paso and we have an unbelievable soundbite that is already starting to go viral. Here it is. Uh, How did you decide that right now? now was the right time to make your first trip to the border? Well, it's not my first trip. I've been to the border many times. the person in charge of the response. So the important aspect of this visit is leading this visit after the work that we did in Guatemala and Mexico. Because as I've long said, I said back in March I was going to come to the border, so this is not a new plan. Oh, it's it's not new. Clay. It's like she's been there. It's like she's been there all along. The the act here has worn very thin, right? I, and she had to go, we all know, because the media couldn't cover for her enough. And there she had a, a snippy exchange with uh, Peter Ducey of Fox, who I feel like we keep getting to give high fives to here because, hey, it must be fun to be somebody who gets to be a journalist who actually asks questions that are necessary, not, not even just are uh, you know, pushing back, but just are necessary for anybody trying to get answers. But, but you also mentioned this other, this other moment where a member of Congress standing next to Kamala when she comes down there references the situation. And we want to dive into this, the situation at the U.S. Mexico border as though it is similar to Ellis Island. Play it. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to El Paso. Welcome to my community, to the new Ellis Island, to the capital of the border. I am standing before you with a heart full of gratitude. Uh, Madam uh, Vice President, thank you for being here. Clay, you know, she mentions Ellis Island. Let's just first start with Ellis Island was legal immigration. Yes. An interesting fact that even a percentage, about 2%, give or take, of people who showed up at Ellis Island were told, no, you have to go back to the country you came from. But a vast majority, of course, a huge majority of them did get to stay. But it's about 12 million people who passed through Ellis Island over the course of over uh, 50 years, 12 million over 50 years. When you look at the numbers now, you have and, and of course, we're talking about illegal immigration going on in huge numbers. You're going to have likely over a million apprehensions for illegal crossing at the border this year alone, which which doesn't include 
half a million visa overstays, which is roughly what happens to the U.S. Uh, each year. The tens of thousands of gotaways, those are people that just made it into the U.S. free and clear. Uh, to, to look at this, actually, I think shows you how the Democrats don't see this in the way that any normal, reasonable person would, which is just utter lawlessness and an open border. Well, Kamala Harris needs to answer that question because she was standing alongside the congresswoman when she said this border is the new Ellis Island. So does Kamala Harris believe that the southern border is the new Ellis Island? She should be asked that question directly because she's standing next to the congresswoman when she says it. And we've already been talking about the messages that are being sent by this administration as it pertains to people who are trying to illegally cross the border. How do you think those people are going to respond when the vice president finally comes to the southern border, which has become basically ungovernable, and one of the congresswomen there compares it to Ellis Island, which basically is saying, hey, come here, you can come into our country. And next week or the week after that, when they have numbers for illegal apprehensions at the border again the media is going to do this whole oh it's not because of a change in tone from the biden administration in fact and they'll pick some time in the trump era they'll say it's pretty much the same thing the gaslighting on what's going on at the border is mind-blowing and it's going to continue and i would just say that the real question that you have to ask any democrat right now on the left about this is who shouldn't get to stay when you start with that, you see that their their answer, well, they won't really give this, but their feeling is, well, everybody should get to stay. I mean, if you show up at the border, you say you want to be here and you're apprehended for illegal entry. And then usually there's the asylum claim that comes up. Why shouldn't those people be allowed to stay if you believe that uh, America is a nation of immigrants and all the rhetoric that, that Democrats like Harris and Biden and, and others use all the time? I believe in rule of law. I believe in secure borders. I, at least there can be consistency in that Democrats want it both ways. They want the laws to be that people have to go through a process to come here. But if you circumvent that process, there'll be no, there'll be no consequences. As long as the incentives are what they are right now, Clay, nothing changes, which is you are more than likely to stay here if you know how to game the system. Well, and you can contrast it with what's going on north of the border right now, too, Buck. Canada is still shut down. We can't even cross the border and go into Canada. If you're a Canadian citizen and you happen to be in America and you go into Canada, you have to quarantine for 14 days. I went down to Mexico uh, back in February. You know, I had to have a negative COVID test to be able to reenter the country. There are people pouring across the border right now who are not American citizens. Obviously, I'm an American citizen who had to have a negative COVID test. The COVID uh, emergency seems to totally disappear when you talk about the border because they're not concerned at all about that. I love our Canadian brothers and sisters up north. They're so polite and there's so much to recommend about Canada. But Justin Trudeau, it, it's like a blogger for the HuffPost got put in <laughs> charge a analogy. of a serious Western country. You know, it's it, that's really what you've got going on. And right now, Buck, uh, for people out there who are aware, the Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup final. And today, Canada released data on what's going to be allowed and what is permissible and what is impermissible as it pertains to actually being able to go to a hockey game. And I think we need to give a lot of credit, and we have on this show certainly, to the governors led by Ron DeSantis who have allowed our, our country to open back up. 
Canada's obsessed with hockey more than basically America's obsessed with anything in the world of sports. Buck, they're only going to allow 3,500 people to go watch the Montreal Canadiens play. Whoever they're playing against the United States, we're going to have 100% capacity. They're selling pod tickets. You're not allowed to leave your zone. You have to wear a mask the entire time that you are there. Uh, you are not allowed basically to the 14 distinct zones inside of this arena. If we didn't have the system of federalism that we have in this country right now, God, thank you for it. We would still be locked down like Canada is and like Australia is, Buck. If we didn't have guys like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and Brian Kemp and, uh, and all these different governors of decent-sized states in the United States who said, hey, we're going to open up our, our state, we would still be like Canada is, like Justin Trudeau. And what you see is that the stuff that they're doing in Canada, and by the way, it's also true in some states. There's there's this lingering Fauciism. I, I just got a, a an email from, from a listener today out in Hawaii who says, don't forget about us. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure you've been, Hawaii is one of the most beautiful places. I never places. have been. Oh, never been. Oh. One of the most beautiful places in the world. Unfortunately, it's it's gorgeous, but it's gone pretty full commie. I mean, it is really left wing, uh, you know, very, very Democrat stronghold in, in Hawaii. And they still have indoor mask. According to this listener, they still have indoor mask mandates. They still have the mask mania. They had outdoor mask wearing mandated early on the pandemic, which was always idiotic. It didn't make any sense. And, and look, I, I don't want to be that guy that that reigns on the parade if things are getting better and everything else but we have to remember as long as some of this lingers and is not fully and utterly discredited which it should be like these things like the pods and the separation of people there's no scientific basis for this whatsoever it will make a comeback we are still going through what has become a mass hysteria really a mass anxiety disorder from all these people who are watching Fauci Every five minutes on TV. And we need to talk about that when we come back into this next break, because Alex Berenson, who I think has done a good job trying to expose much of this hysteria on Twitter, is pointing out that right now Facebook is censoring the WHO's recommendation that children under 18 don't need to get the vaccine and also censoring distribution of any discussion of herd immunity at all. This is still terrifying what big tech is doing in conjunction with COVID. We will talk about that in the next segment. Mike Lindell. You guys hear us talking about him. We know Mike. We love Mike because he's built a great American company with incredible products. Clay and I are both sleeping on my pillows. We've got the Giza Dream Sheets at our homes. I I got the My Slippers. We've got to hook you up with those. I've got, got them. They're fantastic. You got them already? Yes. They're amazing. The, the My Towels are also so absorbent. So these are, are products that are just going to change your game at home big time. Also, Mike has been a target of cancel culture because the left has come after him. Some of the big box stores have turned on him. So do you want amazing products that we use every day, Clan and I use every day, and do you want to also stick it to the left and big tech and the sensors and all the rest of it? Get my pillow going in your home. No doubt. And right now, the Giza Dream Sheets, which I have at my house, two for one low price plus free shipping with promo code Clay and Buck. Remember, all my pillow products, 60 day money back guarantee. Just go to mypillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials to check out this low price offer on the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll find deep discounts on other my pillow products as well. Enter promo code Clay and Buck or call 800-792-3269 for these great radio specials.
want to take a few of your calls because we're also going to get into the challenges that are right now occurring as it pertains to the police, all the people resigning, retiring, all of the issues facing police. We want to get some of these calls in and then clear the deck and allow only police officers to call in and give us a sense for what they are seeing on a daily basis. But let's start reacting to a lot of what we've talked about so far in the first hour of the program. Katie in Columbus, Ohio, what you got? Hi, I wanted to call in because I was happy you brought up the senile comments that Biden was making, whispering into the mic. Because the first thing I thought of when I saw that is, do you remember Genesis music video, Land of Confusion? where they made fun of Ronald Reagan and his age. And yes, I love the band Genesis and all their music, but I just remember seeing that as a kid and my parents just explain, oh, they make fun of Reagan because of his age. And I'm looking at and listening, looking and listening to Biden going, hold it. That's exactly what Biden is. He's the senile old man that they always made fun of for Reagan. And so right away, I thought of Land of Confusion by Genesis. Well, Katie, I appreciate you calling in on this one. I, I would just say, and this is Buck, I, I'd say that, you know, I, I, I don't like to have to point this stuff out about Biden. You know, I remember, you know, one of my grandfathers I was very close with and he's since passed away. And I remember what it was like when, you know, he reached, he got into his 80s and things started to get foggy. And, you know, we were there for him, obviously. And, you know, Biden's too old for this job. I mean, that's just basically the obvious point that we're not allowed to say out loud for some reason. It's like they force us to say it. And I would just remind everyone, you know, you, you mentioned Genesis, by the way is a great band. Um, but you mentioned Genesis and, and back in the Reagan administration. I mean, Clay, remember Trump's mental health? I mean, saying that he was actually crazy was a, a returning news cycle, especially the first three years. They, they kept saying that basically Trump is, is actually insane. That we needed not only to talk about it, but potentially take away his right under the 25th Amendment to actually be the commander in chief. Right. And they lecture us about uh, about coups now, by yes, the way, of course, and insurrections. But also that was a major topic on, for instance, Saturday Night Live. They ridiculed Reagan based on his age all the time. Remember, they had that ridiculous recent uh, discussion where they were like, it's so hard to even make fun of Joe Biden. I'm like, the guy can't walk up the stairs and he's pantomiming whispers to everybody in the media he sniffs strangers heads at official events he has whole montages of crazy and stupid and blundering things he says and snl it's that pathetic they'll bend the knee they won't eat there's there's no sense of comedic integrity they just know gotta stay woke not only that he said the worst thing probably said by any politician about barack obama when he said he's clean and articulate remember like when his campaign back in 2007 biden's presidential campaign basically imploded because of how racist his analysis of barack obama was there's this comment about uh, indian americans who own uh you know small businesses and stores and you know he did a i mean he he the you know what maybe it's friday we should pull a, a, best, a best of off. biden blunders montage folks ace in pennsylvania we're having too much fun here you should get in on it what's up uh, mega mega dittos to you guys. Uh, such a lively, entertaining show, and mega love to the um, Limbaugh family. I really miss miss Rush. But we all do. I wanted to say that, uh, yeah, Joe Biden is he's 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 not only declining mentally, but he is weird. I've, I watched uh, a couple of the uh, clips of him swearing in some of the congressmen. 
senators and so forth and bringing in their families. He was putting his hand all over these little girls' faces and stuff like they were his grandkids. They, they aren't really related to him. To me, that was just weird. Yes. That was a super weird compilation clips. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. Let's try to get Frank in North Carolina. We got like 30 seconds for you, Frank. Then we're going to clear the lines. I want police officers to be able to react to our next segment we're about to have. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. I'll make this really quick. Basically, what I was saying to your screener was that um, I think Joe is actually a little bit scared of those handling him. So basically what he's thinking and his thinking is, that what he'll do is whisper, and maybe his handlers won't hear him, so he won't get in trouble. <laughs> I just I can't imagine Joe Biden watching that press conference. And also, we keep talking about Veep moments. If you were standing off on the side, Buck, and you were watching that, wouldn't your mind be blown? Like, what in the world are you thinking? I think their mind's blown all across America right now, Clay, because you didn't call her Dr. Joe Dr. Biden. Oh, so much Burn. disrespect. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that COVID that I teased before, but we're going to also discuss all of the issues facing the police. Front page article on the New York Times of all places about all the officers leaving. X them all out. We want you guys to call us in. Thanks for hanging. This is the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.